seated. Well, again, this morning, it's my uh, distinct pleasure for those of you who uh, scraggled in at like, you know, 10 after and missed the announcement before, but we have uh, Alejandra Salimi, who is uh, an intern with us back in 2018 and is likely headed off to Divinity School, uh, most likely either at Boston University or at Harvard. And so it's our pleasure this morning that she will uh, bring us the word and her reflection on the scripture this morning. So why don't you all give a welcome to Ali and Well, thank you for that, um, and welcome all. Uh, thank you so much for letting me be up here with you all to, today um, and sharing a little bit about myself, especially because I know it's been uh, almost a year and a half, almost two years since I've been up here. Uh, if I didn't get the pleasure to meet you a couple of summers ago, I, my name's Alejandra, or Ali, whatever's easiest. Uh, I currently am finishing my Master's of Public Health at the University of Florida, uh, and I uh, have had the great pleasure of being really involved in the, in the UMC over the past year or so. There we go. Uh, through uh, my own conference, I uh, help college students uh, find their faith through social advocacy. Uh, and I'm also going to be speaking at general conference. So if you're Methodist nerds kind of like I've become, um, I'm just really thankful to be part of this church, but also of the greater UMC as well. Now, as I'm getting ready to graduate and transition out of my kind of home, my, my town in Gainesville, uh, my college town, I've really started to consider, you know, what the past five years of college have meant to me. I really catch myself recollecting and kind of going down memory lane of everything that has happened over the past five years. And it sometimes, when I'm writing about it or telling people about it, it goes a little bit like this. So I started as a freshman, kind of cruised through my first two years of college. Uh, my family went through a divorce. We're not talking about that. Skip over that. Uh, I was kind of sad, but we're skipping over that. And then Hawaii. I came to Hawaii, and that was awesome. Probably linger there for a second or two. Uh, I started my master's work, and now I'm ready to graduate. The end happily ever after, right? That's sometimes how we like to tell the stories of chapters of our lives is we like to focus on the good things, the highlights, the mountaintops. But I sometimes wonder, do we ever spend time in the valleys or in the harder parts of life? Now, as I said, I, I catch myself often skipping over these hard parts of my college story or of my story in general since birth. Uh, and I recognize that maybe it's not my own tendency to focus on the highlight reels of our lives, but maybe it's just a human tendency in general. Because as a society, I think that we love to skip over the messy. We love to skip over the difficult portions of life and jump straight into mending and reconciliation and, and the, uh, after the three days, the, uh, the rebirth of Jesus and the happily ever after. You know, it's, it's really interesting because if we really want to focus on the stories of Jesus, if we want to focus on of, of the stories of anybody in the Bible, we really have to focus on them holistically. Because what would it be like if we just focus on Jesus and the good, the, the good things? What if we were just Easter people? What if we were just Christmas people? Does that mean that we would never focus on the persecu persecution of, of Jesus or the threats, the fact that he was crucified on Good Friday? Or what about Moses? Let's take a different biblical character. Would we just focus on the liberation from Egypt that he led? Would we just focus on hit the, the Ten Commandments and the leadership that he gave to the Israelites? Or would we also recognize that he came from the genocide of babies, that he had a difficult past in his life in Egypt? 
would we focus on the doubts and the fears and the fact that he didn't feel like he was good enough? I think as we're going into Lent and we look at how uh, this season of our, of our year, of our, of our faith looks like, it's easy to think that Lent is not as important as maybe Christmas or Easter, right? Because let's look at church attendance. So during the next 40 days, you know that you probably don't have to get here a couple minutes early to make sure that you have a seat in the pews. But when it comes to Christmas or when it comes to Easter, you probably know, oh, I have to leave maybe five minutes earlier to make sure that I have a seat because often that's when most people uh, make it out to church. We often focus just only on the joys of life. But I wonder what happens when we get to the wilderness because the reality is we all get to the wilderness at some point. We work towards preparing our hearts first and foremost for the joys and the happiness of lives. We work, in, we work really hard in our jobs. We work really hard in college or in our relationships just to focus on the happy moments, on the Instagrammable moments, right? But what happens when we're in the middle of the woods, when we're in the wilderness and we have no foreseeable way out? And so today we're going to be talking about just that. We're going to be talking about the wilderness, talking about coming face to face with hardships and temptations and the messy parts of life and of our faith as we wander in the wilderness with Jesus during the start of Lent for the next 40 days. And when I think of the, of the idea of braving the wilderness, I really think of two key things. We have to acknowledge the wilderness and then we have to accept what comes with it. So let's talk about the first one first. If we're talking about acknowledgement when we're in the wilderness, sometimes the wilderness can bring about a sense of shame or fear or guilt. We are afraid to acknowledge that we are wounded, that we are afraid that we are lost. I mean, I could give a quick, you know, simple story of my parents when maybe when we would be lost, right? Oftentimes we're reluctant to you know, ask for directions or, or admit that we don't know where we're going. We'll just keep on driving and pretend like we know what we're doing. But at the same time, oftentimes it's, it's not that simple. We can't just keep going. Sometimes we have to recognize that we are in the wilderness. And I, I want to make this point clear too. I don't think that ignoring the pain or being consumed by shame is a cause of being in the wilderness. I think it's more of a symptom of it. Being in the wilderness is scary, and sometimes our society tells us that we must be fearless and brave at all times. Here's another way to kind of make this point. If I'm coming up to you, as I probably will be later on today, and ask you, hi, how are you? What is your response? What would you say to that? We're fine, right? Or we're good? That's the socially acceptable answer oftentimes. We, we have to put on this brave face, this happy face, and then keep going with our lives, even if we are in the middle of the wilderness. We would never actually admit that to someone when they ask us about it. And so sometimes that's where the acknowledgement part comes in, and that's why I wanted to start there. The first step sometimes of braving the wilderness is simply putting the mask down and acknowledging that we are at a low valley, that we are in the wilderness. Acknowledging means that we acknowledge our, our fear, our pain, or our needing to repent. Acknowledging means that we can ask for help in the form of asking a friend to meet with us or asking our pastor to sit and pray with us or to have a difficult conversation with someone that we need to have in this wilderness. 
It means reaching out to the communities that we are a part of and, and acknowledging that we need someone or that we need help. Because that's the key. We can't brave the wilderness alone. I don't think that anybody can brave the wilderness alone because the wilderness is isolating. It's dangerous. All of these things are, something, are, are things that we cannot do alone because we are programmed for belonging, which is kind of ironic because if we're talking about braving the wilderness and the fact that it brings about shame and guilt and fear, then it can often cause us to sacrifice our need to be with others and to acknowledge our communities. So I don't know if you've all uh, heard of Brene Brown. I think I've spoken about her before because she's been my favorite author for a very long time. Uh, if you know her, then you know that she has a book titled Braving the Wilderness, which is kind of what I spaced this sermon off of as well as obviously uh, kind of took the title from. So she uh, does incredible work on social, uh, like uh, human studies. Uh, she does a lot of work on shame, vulnerability, and resilience. And so this is something that obviously comes in part with braving the wilderness. So in her book, she writes uh, this kind of little snippet about what human beings are and how our need for community really drives our humanness. So I want to read it to you all to, to help with this. It says, we as human species, as the mammals that we are, as the bi biology that we are born with, are wired for social interactions. We're wired for community, for belonging. As members of a social species, we don't derive strength from rugged individualism, from lone wolf mentality, but rather from our collective ability to work together and build community. We are programmed for belonging, and that's why connection matters. It's why shame, guilt, and fear are so painful and debilitating. That's why acknowledgement is the first step towards braving the wilderness. It's acknowledging our natural needs and tendencies to not be alone and to not be afraid of the unknown. So acknowledgement is the first step, right? Simple, one word, I'm sure, hopefully you all can remember that. And the second step is just as short and simple, but maybe not. The second step is acceptance. Recognizing that there is a need or a disparity is, is half the battle, but the other half is actually accepting the help that is given, accepting the help from the community or accepting the love that is provided from the people around us. And I know in the quote from Brene Brown, I mentioned this lone wolf mentality, and I, I want to go back to it for a second. Because I think sometimes that we wear this badge of honor, that we are independent people, that we don't need anybody but ourselves, and that we alone can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and fix the problems that are in front of us. We don't need the help of anybody else, not even our families, our parents, or our, our significant others. This saying often says that people down in the dumps are, are able to solely find their ways out of the wilderness and that there is no need for community in those spaces. And again, this idea that we need to accept the status quo, that we shouldn't accept aid in the wilderness, is really stemming out of that same idea of shame or pride that we deem weak if we accept, uh, accept anything other than independence. But then I wonder, is that really what scripture says? 
I know Brian just read some, uh, the first part of Matthew 4, and it really shows how these societal standards is not really what the scripture says. When Jesus was tempted, when he was starving in the wilderness, when he was alone for 40 days, does he pull himself up by his bootstraps? Does he do the wilderness alone? And it might be easy to miss, right? Because in the first part, we talk about how the devil is tempting him and he's, you know, Jesus is strong enough to overcome that. But Matthew 4.11 is the most, I think, the most important part. Because it says, when Jesus was deep in the point of wilderness, at his absolute weakest, who came and rescued him? Or who came and helped him? It was the angels. Angels came and cared for him. And can you just imagine Jesus to just telling them, oh, go away, I can do this on my own? Do you think that he has the lone wolf mentality that we are so eager to take on for ourselves? And it's not even just Jesus, right? Let's talk about other biblical uh, characters uh, that, we, that we look up to. The people of Israel, as we've talked about, have wondered or had wandered the desert for 40 years. I often wonder, do you think that any of them could have individually survived the desert by themselves for 40 years? I often think that the, the people of Israel found the promised land because they endured and braved the wilderness together in community. Lone wolf mentality isn't a tactic of braving the wilderness, but accepting community around us and allowing them to pour into us when we wander the desert as we are left parched or scared or afraid is a tactic. Now all of this in the, in the spirit of Hawaii and in the mentality that I currently find myself reminds me of the word ohana. And I'm sure you all know the Lilo and Stitch quote, right? Ohana means family. Family means nobody's left behind. Nobody is, left, is forgotten or left behind, I believe. And that's the thing about Ohana, right? We are not family just in the celebrations, in the moments of joy and happiness and in the peaks of our mountains. We don't see our families just for, for birthdays and for celebrations, for graduations, right? We see our families even in the dark times as well. They are the ones that are there when a death happens, when illness sets in, when we are afraid, when maybe our mental health is not well. Ohana reminds us that we are free and welcome to be honest with the ones that, that love us because we ourselves are loved first by God and also by our Ohana. Ohana means that we are able to put down our masks, put down our badge of lone wolfness, and acknowledge that we have found ourselves in the midst of a wilderness. Ohana means accepting the love, the community, and the grace in the relationships around us and allowing them to see the messy parts, maybe the parts that are not so pretty, and allowing them to, to care for us and be with us during the days or weeks of years that we find ourselves in the wilderness. So braving the wilderness, right? We're starting the sermon series. Well, Brian's starting it. I'm leaving after this. But uh, you all are starting the sermon series on braving the wilderness. Uh, and we're, we're going to face Lent for the next 40 days. And next year, we'll face, face it again. However, I don't think braving the wilderness really stops just through these 40 days because life happens, right? The idea of braving, right, kind of gives the sense that there is termination. There is an end to the wilderness at some point. And obviously, we, we hopefully wait for that moment. 
But the idea that the wilderness is temporary and that soon enough we'll find our way back to these beautifully paved roads with road signs and GPS signal uh, is, is, not always, is not always true. I think one thing that I've learned, if, if anything, is that the wilderness is really all around us. I mean, in my, I know I'm younger, uh, and in my own time, I have found myself in the wilderness time and time again uh, in my own ways. I think we might try our absolute hardest to focus, like I've mentioned, in the peaks of life and only aim to prolong the experience of these moments. But the chances of the wilderness coming again are real. And during these times that we aren't braving the wilderness ourselves, because obviously there are going to be moments of joys of ascending a mountaintop rather than descending it, we need to remember our dual role in Ohana. Ohana is not really just receiving the community that we are a part of. It's not just receiving help when we are in the wilderness, but it's also giving it as well. And so while I think we all hope and sit here, uh, sit here hoping that our wilderness will not last forever, I think we need to recognize that the wilderness is true for many of the people sitting both in our pews, but many of the people in our, in our community as well. I think of the time uh, when, you know, the, the summer that I was here, I was definitely not braving a wilderness. I was having probably one of the best summers of my life. But during the time that I was here, I was serving at a prison, the prison down the road, actually. And I remember hearing the stories of the women who have been braving wildernesses for years. Their whole lives have been wilderness. And I often wonder, though I was not in my wilderness at the time, I knew that I could be an ohana to them. And I wonder how we all could be an ohana to someone else during our times of non-wilderness. And that's kind of where I want to land today. Because braving the wilderness is difficult. The wilderness is completely unexpected. We can't exactly plan for it. It's not like we can pull out our calendars and tell God, all right, uh, March 20th through 25th, wilderness is fine. But then after that, we can't do wilderness anymore. It just doesn't really work that way. But like I said, braving the wilderness means showing up and being able to feel alongside those who are in the desert and letting others feel with us when we are in the desert ourselves. The season of Lent doesn't carry the same maybe hype or anticipation energy that Christmas or Easter does, and I, I recognize that. But the ever-present tones of hope is where we find goodness, because braving the wilderness means, that rec means recognizing the hope that is there for us at all times. As we embark on the next 40 days in the wilderness, or you know whatever length of time that you may find yourself in the wilderness, I hope that we lean on our own angels, whether they are here or in heaven. I pray that we lean on our ohana, and I pray that you take the time to resist the stereotypes that tell you that we have to fight this wilderness alone, that we have to be lone wolves, and we have to be brave enough to do it ourselves. I pray that you acknowledge and accept the love and grace that is available to you, not just because of the ohana that you are a part of, but also because of the God that we believe in, who is with us in the wilderness, just like God was with Jesus during that time. I pray that you find your oasis that will allow you to refill your, your soul and rest your bones, rather than wearing yourself down with the toxic mentality that braving the wilderness means being alone.
And so I pray that you've braved the wilderness of the season, or of any season in life, in whatever healthy way that serves your soul. I pray that you lean on your ohana like I did that summer a couple years ago. Will you pray with me? God, as we find ourselves in a season of Lent, as we find ourselves maybe coming out of a wilderness, in the middle of a wilderness, maybe dreading the potential of a wilderness, I ask that you remind us to acknowledge who you are, acknowledge who we are, and accept this love and this grace and this community that you give us, not just by being here in these pews at this church, but just being your children. I pray that you allow us to surrender our fears and our need to be alone and independent and lean on you and lean on our community. Remind us what we're here for in the, ne the next 40 days as we remember this Lenten season and help us grow and develop a stronger relationship with you so that we can brave the wilderness together. Amen.